Welcome in to the Lockdown Knicks podcast where your New York Knicks have won. I'm, oh, wait. Oh, I got to I gotta fix my glasses. Something's wrong here. This can't be right. Hold on. Let me. Oh, no. This must be from, from maybe eight years ago. Oh, nope. What? Did they? Oh, seven games in a row, Alex? Am I am I reading that correctly? Have have our New York Knicks won seven games in a row? You know, I, I wasn't sure if that was a bit for a minute. I actually thought that we were going to have to re-record the intro. But no, you're correct, Gavin. The Knicks have won seven games in a row. They beat the Hornets 109-97. to A shaky first half gave way to an absolutely dominant second half for the Knicks. We're going to get into it. Next on Locked On Knicks, including an explosive third quarter for R.J. Barrett. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week. There is some debate this week coming up later in the episode. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, as of as of next week, I'm a play-by-play broadcaster again. But most importantly, I am a, a New York Knicks podcaster hosting this very podcast, Locked on Knicks. And I'm joined by Alex Wolf, the editor-in-chief of the Strickland. And Alex, before we get into um, any, any Knicks business, and there's a lot of Knicks business to cover, the Strickland... Uh, you guys, you guys are selling some great T-shirts. Yeah, uh, there's actually a a sweet R.J. Barrett shirt that we're selling now. If you want to go ahead and check that one out, you can go to the strict.land, check our shop tab, or one of the multiple links I've put around for the shop, or you can just go directly to the strickland.bigcartel.com. Got a sweet R.J. shirt, sweet Frank shirt on there. Though he has been getting a lot of minutes lately, but it's that Frank icy stare from a few weeks ago. Uh, plus some little Strickland doodads on there too. So definitely check that out. The Strickland.BigCartel.com. And we're giving a percentage of all sales to Safe Horizon, which is a uh, New York-based charity that helps survivors of uh, domestic assault and, and various forms of violence uh, get back on their feet. So pretty excited about that. But anyway, big game to get into, Gavin. 109 to 97 win by the Knicks over the Hornets. And I don't even know where to start anymore with these wins, man. Like this one, I, I was really worried. You know, I thought that this was going to finally be the crashing back to earth moment uh, because the Knicks, it seemed like fell back into those bad tendencies that they have, you know, at times during the season where it seems like they, they kind of, you know, rest on their laurels a little bit and say, oh, we're good. We don't need to go all out on this game, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we could just kind of let our foot off the gas. Like, look, hey, this is the Hornets, but, you know, whatever. They don't have LaMelo Ball. They don't have Gordon Hayward. They don't have Malik Monk. You know, it's like three of their top five scores. We'll be fine. Well, lo and behold, like, they played really lax perimeter defense all first half. And P.J. Washington went nuts. Terry Rozier went crazy. Uh, Devontae Graham, who 
I, I remembered earlier today when I was writing a preview, had that game winner against the Knicks last year that still, it, for whatever reason, is burned into my brain is one of the more painful moments of last season. Uh, hit some threes in the first half, and the Knicks went into the half down six, which I guess is impressive because the, the I, I forget what the number was, but the Hornets shot like like nine of 13 or maybe even better than that in the first half from three, which is crazy. Uh, but then second half, they clamped up. And started playing better defense, like they're capable of and like they always should. And R.J. Barrett went for 18 points in the second, or sorry, the third quarter, first quarter of the second half, and finished with 24 points, 8 of 17 shooting, tied his career high with six makes from three on just 11 attempts, and had one of his better, I think, scoring performances of his whole career with that 18-point third quarter. And, uh, you know, Derrick Rose played great. And Julius Randle did just enough. He actually had a pretty off night by his standards, but still, you know, even on bad efficiency, put up 16 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, like it was nothing. And uh, yeah, the Knicks win the game, man. I, I don't know where you want to start with this one. I, obviously, we gotta, we gotta give some more ups to Derrick Rose too. Emmanuel quickly had a really great first half. It was probably one of the main reasons that the Knicks were only down six at the half, given how bad they were on defense. But where do you want to start with this one as far as our, our breakdown goes? Man, I think I think it has to be that third quarter. I was I was all set to start with Emmanuel quickly, but he I mean RJ literally upstaged him by a point, if I'm remembering correctly, eighteen points in that third, right? One more than quickly got in the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, uh, absurd, absurd, absurd shot making was six of six from uh for the quarter, excuse me, after first half in which he shot just one for eight. And and it was another one of those nights with him where, um, for me the biggest thing was like, oh man, he's just he's just forcing the issue. But it's it's the constant. Um, I I don't know. I think maybe maybe a lot of people feel like their their young guys are are uniquely frustrating in, in how they can look incredible, and then other nights really really struggle. But R- RJ, I think is is just such a fascinating example of that because there are there are very few young players, or especially like twenty year olds in particular, who reach his highs. Um, but then there are very few players who reach those highs, who have his lows, where he's just so inefficient and he's making bad decisions and, and the defense can sort of wax and wane and, and isn't, isn't always there. And I didn't think was particularly good in the first half and, and he's forcing stuff around the basket. He's forcing passes and you're like, and, and, and it, it's incredible. You could, you could give someone like, if it was someone's first time watching RJ and they watched him the first game, they would, they would think, oh, this guy's like Kevin Knox. He's like another... Knicks lottery bust, and then you could have them watch the third quarter, and you're like, oh, my God, the Knicks finally did it. They drafted an all-NBA player, and uh, I choose to believe in the third quarter because it came later, and it's also more in line with what he's been doing of late. Um, just, uh, again, it, it, it took him a little bit of time, but once he got going, like I, I put down in my notes, he had that first three straight on. Uh, I, I just wrote down, finally. Um, and, and, and the shot, it, it just looked so, so smooth. Like the third one he hit, which was from the left wing, um, I, I thought was was the best of all of them. It was a little bit of a knuckleball, but just like an ideal trajectory on it, kind of similar to the one he hit against the Nets, where all of a sudden, I thought earlier in the year, and this is this is an arbitrary distinction, I was like, all right, this is a guy who's learning how to make shots. But sh- um, surely, um, trying to think of the right phrase, um, I, I'll say, I'll, I'll just say right now, he, he's, he's changing from that into a shooter, like a, a legitimate shooter, someone who when he gets going, just has that in, in, inherent confidence that the next one's going to go in. And then he capped off the first three threes with a long foul line jumper. Um, then he went around a Taj screen, 
hit another jumper, five for five to open the second half, and and then had that three from the right side just to wrap up the third quarter. Um, open the fourth with, with with a crazy good uh, hook bullet pass to Kevin Knox. I thought it was one of the best passes that he made all season. Knox, of course, missed it so badly that it ended in a Taj layup. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't really know what else to say about him, Alex. But it, the the transformation is stunning. I'll, I'll cap off my slightly incoherent rant with uh, with this stat at RJ. Um, now over the last um, trying to get to it, um, Pat O'Keefe tweeted out. Yeah, over the last forty seven games. Um, he is at 45.6% from three, up to 39.1% overall. Yeah, just crazy. I mean, I can't believe how good his percentage is now at this point. I mean, we were, as he was kind of climbing and shooting a little better here and there, you know, we were we were starting to say, okay, this is fine. You know, like he was, because he started the year shooting whatever it was, like 20% or just, you know, terrible. And it's been a steady climb ever since then, but it, it's been more than a steady climb recently. I mean, he's now shooting on big, big, big volume uh, and getting all these all these makes in there. I mean, he had the six for six night uh, just a couple weeks ago, and now it, that was his career high and now ties that already with six out of 11 in this game. It's just crazy to see the development that he's taking. I mean, I'm not delusional to the point that I think that he's going to end up like like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or something. But I think that there's a very real case that he's going to be, I, I don't know who's like a, who's a superstar is just a, just a good three point shooter on volume. I'm trying to think like he could, I, I mean, I don't know if this is, what's that? Paul George, Paul George, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's totally, I, I was even going to say, I mean, he needs to work on the pull-up shooting a ton, but like, percentages wise and stuff and just general play style wise. I mean, it's maybe not even out of the realm of possibility that he ends up like a Devin Booker type scorer. You know, it's, it's just so strange and hard to pick his, his trajectory now at this point, because he's starting to kind of blow us out of the water here where we were like, Oh yeah, maybe he'll end up like, you know, a 35, 36% three point shooter by the end of the year, mostly on catch and shoot, you know, whatever. And that would have been a fine result, you know, whatever. But now he's shooting, you know, over the better part of the season, like you just said, like 45% from three, that's insane. Uh, I don't know how we even start to think about what type of player he could be uh, with him shooting that well. And the thing is, is that you could make the argument of like, well, yeah, but it's mostly catch and shoot. That's the the easiest three pointer. That's the one you're supposed to shoot like 40 plus percent on. And that's fair. But he's shooting so many of those pull up mid range shots that it makes me think like the, the, he's basically, if he continues on this trajectory, he's one off season away from pull up three point shooting. Like that's, I'm really starting to believe that. And we've already seen him bust it out once or twice this year. He just seems, you know, maybe rightfully so he seems unsure of it right now, but I think there's a real chance that that's the thing that he adds as soon as next season and, you know, becomes potentially a, a legitimate, shot creating three level scorer in a way who can pass the ball really well, who defends, you know, his butt off on both ends of the court. I, I think there's a real chance that that's going to happen. And that's really exciting. Um, you know, it's easy to get starry eyed after a game like this, where he, he hits six, three pointers, scores 18 and a quarter, you know, whatever. But I, I don't think it's that crazy to to have these sort of thoughts at this point, given the body of work that he's put together now for, you know, most of this season uh, out of, 
58 games. You said that that sample cover is what 47. So that's like that's like five sixths of this season, more or less, or maybe slightly less than that. But crazy, crazy stuff from RJ Barrett so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to. Um, I, I think Alex, this makes him a candidate for an award we give out every single week, and that is our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Do you want to? You know what? Here's how we could fix this. We were we were debating prior to the start of the show, like, should we give this to RJ or should we give it to Julius? Do you want to just make them the co-Michelob Ultra Player of the Week? Wow. It's for single game achievement and full week achievement? And the Knicks are on a win streak, so who cares? Everybody's well, a winner. Look, I, I don't know how the higher-ups in Michelob are going to interpret this, but I, I agree with you. It's the only fair thing to do. And, and at the end of the day with Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And, and Alex, the only way you and I were going to leave this episode feeling decent about ourselves is is if we we made both these guys player of the week and with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories it, it's super easy to enjoy a Michelob Ultra joy creates success enjoyment is in the end game it's the whole game and I would say that's that's applicable to to both these guys throughout the week like RJ he doesn't really show his joy necessarily on a on a moment-to-moment basis because he's steely-eyed he's focused but I, I think he. I think his joy comes in the form of confidence, and 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 you see him when those three start going down, he gets more and more confidence. And this isn't this isn't a guy his entire life who is really lacking in that capacity. So now the fact that he he doesn't really have a definitive weakness on the court, I think you're going to see that get better and better and better. Julius Randle, man, you you can tell the passion he's been playing with, and, and I think I think his joy comes in the form of pride and pride that he's carrying this team, pride that. All the work he put in this offseason is so clearly translating. What was it coming into tonight's game? He'd averaged something like 36 points per game over the last week, shooting 48% from the field, 46% from three. Um, He's right to feel joy. He's right to feel prideful. And and the question we got to ask is, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Right now, the Knicks don't have to question it at all because they're winning and they're very, very happy about it, Alex. All right, let's uh, let, let's bring it back with um, uh, we we get into Emmanuel quickly a little bit, but first, this year the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to covering to cover the NFL Draft live. You can get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three day coverage of the NFL Draft, April twenty ninth through may 1st all right with that alex i'm going to throw it over to you uh we 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 just both spent a ton of time on rj barrett but he he just barely eclipsed what emmanuel quickly did in that insane second quarter 17 points for iq in that quarter if i'm remembering correctly went something like four or five from distance also had had a really nice and one where he went to the rim um what stood out to me almost more than his shooting was just his sheer ball control and his forcefulness and his passing but i'll but i'll I'll toss it to you alex what what did you see from emmanuel quickly in that second quarter i'm gonna throw it back to the the michael ultra player of the week (laughs) quickly the the joy is joy creates success or whatever right or does success create joy who knows chicken or egg but i mean the biggest thing that i noticed from quickly was that like his it, it quickly like low key or maybe maybe it's high key depending on how much you pay attention to his mannerisms and stuff but he has a pretty expressive personality on the court and lately it's been easy to see and you know you can't blame him that 
you know, it's been bothering him a little bit. I think that he hasn't been making shots as much and that he's been getting short stints because of it. Because like a lot of times if he's not making shots and not, you know, producing at this obscene, like point per minute level, it seems like he really has to struggle to get minutes, which, you know, isn't right. But it's also, it is sort of right in a way because like Derek Rose has been playing legitimately great these last few games. Uh, So he's definitely earned being out there and, and sort of running the show. But, you know, I think they quickly certainly deserve some time over like Peyton lately, who I think has kind of regressed back to not being very fun to watch again after one or two decent games that he had had there. Um, so, you know, to see quickly kind of get back in that, uh, uh, like, old school as of the earlier part of the season quickly out there and sort of be feeling himself and hitting shots and, you know, kind of getting back into the, the energy of the game and everything was really great. I thought I, I loved, uh, seeing him out there. I thought that it seemed like he was having a really good time. Uh, the, you know, the, the threes that he made, the, a couple of them, I mean, I, it's tough to call any shot that someone makes in the NBA garden variety, but like for quickly, they were garden variety, just kind of regular old spot up attempts, you know, which good. I'm glad to see them going back through again. But the two, the two makes that really stand out to me, one was that and one that you mentioned, which was just an insane circus shot. Like you couldn't even really appreciate it until you saw like kind of closer up replay because he got sort of like eclipsed by his defender on the the main broadcast. But when they showed the the close up of it, it was like he was uh, driving towards the hoop and then like got fouled, so, sort of got pushed off his off his path and was going just like straight baseline and sort of like flipped the ball up over from, you know, right hand over his left shoulder and was like jumping off the wrong foot and clearly was off balance because the second that like he, he uh, landed, he like kind of fell over too from the contact from getting fouled and manages to just find the perfect angle to get it in. That was great to see because, you know, I think we've noted on here before the next, evolution of quickly is stopping relying on the floater so much which we've seen is a touch and go kind of shot like some nights it's it's on on other nights it's off off and there's not really any in between most of the time and uh then the other one was the i mean he just had this insane like shot clock kind of winding down three-point attempt where he got sort of trapped up near the three-point line by two guys who's trying to run like a little a uh, little like pick and roll sort of thing with Julius Randle, if I remember correctly, but he wound up getting sort of trapped at the top of the, the key and he tried to drive in, but then had to draw back because he was going to get the ball stolen and then just sort of like pull some weird little dribble move and takes a step back and just cans a three with like two defenders within striking distance of him. It was just the, uh, the quintessential, I guess, like how hot are you in this quarter, Emmanuel quickly? And he was like, Oh, I am. I am, you know, unconventional three-point step back hot right now uh, with two defenders sort of in my face. And and that was just sort of like, I think, the the stamp on that second quarter. But what did you see from him that you were a fan of? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was just the overall confidence with the basketball. It felt like he could get where he wanted on the court. And it was, it, it was a sight for sore eyes, I'll say, because I, I think we got a lot of that from him early in the season where he just played with a certain swagger. And it, it usually, it, I mean, initially it emanated from him making all those floaters, 
Um, then he started hitting uh, the off the dribble threes, where he was where he was just I mean toasting guys, and, and obviously he had he had one of those tonight. That play was was actually it was a little reminiscent of, of the one uh, Chris Paul or excuse me Steph Curry hit against the Clippers, like where it drove in, backed up, falling away, just drains it. Um, also, the one where he made Chris Paul like drop along the baseline. He, Steph had Steph made some dirty three has made some dirty threes against the Clippers historically. It, it was it was a little bit like that, but e- even even less so than the threes. Just how confident he looked dribbling the basketball, and, and we've referenced multiple times that he, it seems like he was tired and like hitting the rookie wall a little bit tonight. I didn't get any of that, man. He he looked like uh, Taj hooked him up with, with some of the special stuff because he he had he had a little bit more verve and he was he was getting to his spots. And even even going into the fourth quarter, Alex, I thought he was making really, really good passes. And and they didn't really translate into anything because guys were missing shots. But um, it was it was good stuff. And then just the basketball IQ. Like, I go to the fourth. Like, another play that didn't turn into anything. But RJ, totally buried under the hoop. And, and IQ just sprints to make sure he's an outlet to get the basketball. And it's, it's a small thing, but it stands out because it's not something that you really see Alfred Payton doing all that much, which is another issue tonight where Elf came back in and played the whole third quarter. And, and if it wasn't for RJ shooting so well, I think it would have cost the Knicks because he, he really didn't do much of anything. But another another great game for, or, or rather the first great game in a while for Emmanuel Quickly. And, and honestly, I think the Knicks lose without it because we, we haven't even really gotten to a general recap yet, but the Hornets were just draining threes in the first half. They started 13 for 19 uh, before second half where they just made three of their final 20. But Sands, Sands Emmanuel Quickly, the Knicks are, are down by a lot in the first. So shout out to him. Shout out again to RJ Barrett. Uh, Alex, uh, how about how about this? Um, I think uh, I think we we, we got to figure out what that fuel source is for Taj Gibson and Emmanuel quickly. Do you, do you have any kind of guesses or anything? Well, I I've heard, and you know this might be hearsay, but uh, I've heard that seven game win streaks are run on built bars, and you know I th- I can either confirm nor deny. Please don't take me to court over this, but. You know, I have heard that perhaps some of the players have been eating built bars, uh, you know, before games. And then tonight it was at halftime, you know, to get ready for the second half, get that protein boost they needed. And what else would they eat, really? Because built bars are the best tasting protein bar on the planet. And they have so many great flavors that you could choose from cookies and cream, coconut almond, banana bread, salted caramel, toffee almond. Just tons and tons of great flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Really tastes just like a candy bar. Like some of them have the texture of like a like a super chewy caramel bar. Some of them are like lighter and fluffier. Give you like that Three Musketeers feeling. So many great bars. So little time to eat them all. But you could certainly try. And you won't even have to feel bad if you eat all the built Bars that they offer because they are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And, you know, I, I won't just tell you that. I'll give you some stats on it. The coconut almond bar, for example, has 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, five grams of sugar, and five grams of net carbs. I eat one all the time, sometimes before and after I go to the gym, because you can't have too much protein when you're trying to get some some gains out there, you know, in the gym. So I'll sometimes eat two built bars in a day and it doesn't feel like it weighs me down at all. Just gives me that pure protein I need while giving me that same sensation like I'm eating a candy bar. So it's 
It's like a guilty pleasure without the guilt. If you want to experience that for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And we've been telling you guys now for how many, I don't know, how many games now? At least the last three or four. I mean, if you're if you're not betting on the Knicks to win at this point, what are you even doing? But, you know, make yourself a little bit of money. I know that they're, you know, tomorrow night against the Hawks, or tonight, I should say, if you're listening to this on, on Wednesday, they're going to be facing the Hawks. They're a pretty hot team too, but how do you bet against the Knicks right now? And if you want to bet on the Knicks, which why wouldn't you go to bet online? Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but the NBA, NHL, MLB, they are all going strong right now. And, you know, it's never been a better time, again, to bet on anything Knicks related. That's for sure. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds as well. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, go to betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On, and you will get 50% extra on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And that is all for this ad break. This ad break has been brought to you by uh, Alex. Uh, No, I'm kidding. Uh, We also have to let you guys know about the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. It is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team are making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. I actually listened to the one bit of it today. I was like, oh, let me check out where they're at. And they were already on pick 10. So I think the Jets and Giants have both gone already. So. Go ahead and definitely go check the back catalog and go listen. I mean, they have freaking Michael Irvin, man. That dude used to be on NFL Countdown. Like, come on. Crazy stuff. Anyway, Gavin, uh, we are back to Locked On Knicks now. You can you can always go to Locked On Jets or Locked On Giants for that fix. And whew, what else are we going to talk about? I, I kind of want to talk about Derrick Rose real quick, if you don't mind. I've already kind of thrown him a, a couple little, little uh, bits of praise here and there. But I think it's time to maybe give him the full treatment here for just how good he was in this game. I mean, I think the big thing to me was just like his, his command of the game when he was out there was so impressive. Um, The team was really, again, I, I feel bad because I always feel like I'm piling on with this, but it's just the truth. Like the team was a totally different team with him out there versus when Alfred Payton was out there. And some of the worst moments for the team in this game came with Alfred Payton out there. And some of the best moments came with Derrick Rose. I mean, it's just kind of the facts of the matter. Um, you know, the, the beginning of the third quarter notwithstanding, although literally, I mean, when R.J. Barrett was going for 18 points in the quarter, L finally got pulled eventually when he ignored R.J. on like two straight possessions, one of which was really egregious in order to go up and take a contested layup 
at like three different people. Um, so, you know, it, even when the Knicks were on a run, Elf ultimately got himself pulled for doing something stupid. Uh, but Rose was totally different story. I mean, Rose, he had his moments scoring the ball. Uh, he scored 17 points, 8 to 12 shooting overall. He had some of those vintage Rose, like, turn on the burners moments. Like, he had one where he kind of ran off. A, I, I forget if it was a double screen or if it was just, like, one screen by Taj and then Rose was just so fast that he blew by another guy in the process. But there was one point where he got a screen set for him by Taj up well beyond the three-point line and just like turned on the vintage Rose burners, got to the hoop and got a nice easy layup there. But the the highlights to me were just like the extra passes he was throwing. And I felt like his energy in that regard was infectious. Like I remember at one point he found... I believe it was quickly or maybe it was Bullock. I forget. I think it was quickly. It, there was a really nice. Yeah, it was quickly for sure. It, it, Randall hit um, Rose at like the elbow three, like just above the break. And then Rose just like immediately no look past it to quickly in the corner who then hit the three pointer. And then like not two minutes later, quickly found himself in the exact same spot and hit a really nice touch pass to the corner. That one I think was to Bullock. And hit a really nice, like, exact same scenario. Got the ball out of the post, out to him, and then just made this quick little touch pass. It was almost like quickly learned something from Rose on the fly right there. So that was really cool as far as Rose being, like, a leader on the court. There was another really nice one uh, going down the stretch of the game where Rose, like, Randall drove in, drew the defense in a little bit. But they were still, you know, Bullock and Rose were still being covered well on the other side of the court. So Randall kicks it out to Rose, who is out beyond the three-point line, up near the top of the three, roughly. And Rose pauses. He kind of half-looked Bullock's way, but it had looked Bullock's way before the pass got to him as well, so he knew where he was and where he was going to go, which was right to the corner. And instead of making that pass immediately where Bullock's going to get that snuffed out, Rose smartly just kind of probes in a little bit, acts like he's going to try to drive in for a layup. And then the second that Bullock's defender came in to help. He kicked it over to Bullock. Bullock cans a three. Just I, maybe we're just, uh, we've been so deprived of this like quote unquote real point guard play for so long, but it's just so refreshing to see moments like that where, you know, you just see Rose make these smart little heady plays, even ones that, you know, you could say that the Knicks have been deprived good point guard play since well before Rose's first stint with the Knicks. Like his first stint was nothing like this. I would say the Rose's first stint with the Knicks was more like what Alfred Payton is now. Rose now is just like a totally different player and he's really a joy to watch any given night. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in total agreement. And it feels like the Knicks have just a, just a strong closing five at this point. And obviously night to night, you can mix in different guys. Like when Burks is, is healthy, when he has it going, he has to be in there. When, when IQ really has it going, I mean, he wasn't tonight, but if he had, if you had just flipped his second and fourth quarters, he probably would have been out there. But right now, I mean, the combo of, of Rose, RJ, Bullock, Randall, and then and then pick your center of choice, uh, Taj Gibson, Nerlens Noel, Mitchell Robinson. Um, there, there was a great stat in uh, the Knicks film school uh, newsletter today um, that there are four players in the NBA who have seen at least 500 minutes of action have hit at least 58% of their shots and per 36 minutes average 1.7 blocks and 1.3 steals. Three of them, Taj Gibson, Nerlens Noel, Mitchell Robinson play for the Knicks. So sub in your center of choice. Um, 
you you just feel confident with those guys out there. And I, I know um, this game against Charlotte, Alex, normally, I mean, earlier in the season, I, I was sweating with the Knicks down the stretch. And I, I don't know about you, I'd, I'd have this nagging feeling in, in, in the back of my head, inside of my heart that, all right, they're, they're going to find a way to lose this. And, and right now, maybe um, some of it is clearly the magic of the winning streak. Some of it is the teams they're playing. But I, I just feel so, so confident down the stretch they're going to win it. And, and and generally, I associate that feeling with with players I trust, but just like like the, the phrase I would use is capable hands. And right now, Derrick Rose, I mean, he's, he's capable hands. He's, he's a caretaker. I mean, I think that's what you're getting into with point guard play. It's sort of like the first 20 or so games of Jason Kidd we got it in 12-13, just having a veteran um, who's played on the biggest stages. Um, and, and even with Rose in the past, you would have you would have been slightly worried and said, all right, but sometimes he's going to get a little bit too big for his britches and, and he, he's going to force the issues. And he's going to think he's still MVP Derrick Rose and he's going to need to take the shot. That, that, that's not an issue right now. He, he's working as such a good connector. Like I, I just wrote down so many different plays in this game. Where, where it was Rose either at the beginning or the middle of a great passing sequence. Like you mentioned the one to IQ, you mentioned the one to Bullock. Um, th- there was another, I mean, on, on RJ's last three of the third quarter, it was because Randall got double teamed. Um, Rose had like a fairly good look, but instead he, he just threw it over to RJ in the corner because he's like, look, our, RJ's, RJ's red hot right now. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it to him. And he did. And we saw RJ take advantage of it. And then um, we, we saw Derrick Rose get a switch. Um, he got P.J. Washington on him with the Knicks up 105-95. And, and it's that combination of of playing unselfishly, but also just having the mentality that if I get a matchup, I'm not scared of it. I, I'm going to go get that guy. And he, he had P.J. Washington dusted him with a little crossover, quick little floater, Knicks up 107-95. It, it, it's all over at that point. It, it was that kind of night. For Derrick Rose, and and he he's the point guard the Knicks need. Um, the question with him always is what what happens when those those jumpers stop falling. In the last game when he got twenty three, he, he he was hitting everything in sight. Uh, tonight when he was highly highly efficient again, it was a three and, and two long twos, one of which bailed out the Knicks at the end of the shot clock uh, on the way to seventeen point five assist night, eight of twelve from the field. Um, the jumper was falling tonight. I mean, he was just one of four from three, but overall the jumper was falling. And, and when, when it stops falling, that, that's when the questions come into play and whether or not it's going to force the issue when those shots aren't going going in. But, but when he's making those shots, I mean, he, he looks like, um, I, I would hesitate to say one of the best guards in the league, but I won't hesitate to say exactly what the Knicks need. All right, Alex, let's wrap this up. Going rapid fire on a couple of other guys. I want to shout out, as always, uh, the Knicks center combo of Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson. Nerlens for the third straight game shuts down someone at the rim. It's like these guys are taking bets. And I, I, that, that was my first thought when Jaden McDaniels went at him. Um, I, I was just thinking, or maybe it was a Jalen. I, I, I'm getting my McDaniels mixed up. But um, I, I, my, my first thought was, oh, wow, is he he's really going to do this? He really wants to do this? And, and I, I was just thinking after Nerlens got him, that there must be some like pool going on in every locker room, like a much more innocuous version of, of Bounty Gate with the Saints. Like every team probably just has a poster of Nerlens up and, and is like, I'm going to dunk on him. No, I'm going to dunk on him. No, I'm going to dunk on him. And so far, no one has. Nerlens has shut it down every single time. And then Taj, um, just just a beautiful flurry of activity once again. I mean, his ability to, to finish um, air balls, usually it's from – um, usually it's from courtesy of Obi Toppin tonight. It was of Kevin Knox, but he's just always in such good position, has such good hands. And despite like probably not 
being able to jump over a paperclip at this point. He's he's able to to get up and, and finish efficiently in, in the lane, and it's just it, it's it, it's the best watching this guy. He he's he's so good um, offensively in terms of his IQ and defensively. He he had this insane steal where he he was sort of caught on an island between man and ball. It was a two on one basically with, with with the ball handler at the elbow, and Taj kind of like like leans towards the ball handler as if he's going to rush him. Guy throws the pass. Taj, it was just a feint, jumps back, steals it. Another just great, great play by him. And, I mean, he's I mean, there's a reason um, our, our guy, uh, Benji Ritholt, so we have to have back on at some point, wrote an article about him. It, it's because Taj is rolling right now. I'll throw out one final Taj stat and then, and then throw it to you, Alex, for, for one final thought. But um, this, this was, again, uh, courtesy of Benji. I'm trying to see where I put it. That would be bad if I can't find it. It's so it, funny. Right? I'm literally looking at the article. Which stat are you looking for? Because okay. I was going to bring it up. The, I'm looking for the one that he tweeted out. I don't know. I thought I copied and pasted it into my notes. but Okay. I'm scrolling down. I'm scrolling down. This is great podcasting, especially when we do really short episodes these days. Okay. Here we go. Stat from Benji Ritholtz. Um, or maybe it's from you, Alex, because I just saw the Strickland account tweeted it out. One player on the Knicks is third in the league in defensive Raptor, which is a great all-encompassing defensive stat, is in the 95th percentile of rim deterrence and is in the 70th plus percentile of both block percentage and steal percentage. It's Taj Gibson, the 95th percentile in rim deterrence for a guy who's 35 and, and honestly looked sort of washed a year ago. It's just, it's insane. It's, it's absolutely nuts. Yeah, it was actually I was so I was going to bring up the article because when you brought up both of them in tandem, as you say, it's so interesting because they're like the yin to each other's yang. Like they're both defensive minded centers, but they get it done in such different ways. Although sometimes Taj flashes that like Balco athleticism <laughs> that uh, makes you wonder what's in the secret stuff bottle for him where he uh, you know, like tonight he did like a Mitchell Robinson esque uh, block three in the corner. With, that it seemed like he had no business getting to, but got like a full like three fingertips on. Um, but it, those stats that you that you bring up there, the rim deterrence is interesting because he's ninety fifth percentile in rim deterrence, meaning like how much he his impact is on keeping uh, players away from the rim, and that's a B ball index stat. And Noel's is in the twentieth percentile, but then Taj, if you go down. The rest of the stats, it's like his percentage uh, of shots at the rim contested, rim contest, blocks, block rate, all that stuff. Um, the defensive field goal percentage versus expected and points saved and all that stuff. He doesn't do fantastic in. Like he grades out anywhere from B-Wall Index's metrics, anywhere from like a like a D to a B. Uh, he gets an A- minus on block rate on contests, which is good. Maybe has something to do with those those crazy Mitchell Robinson-esque threes blocked he gets on the perimeter. Uh, but then Noel, it's like the complete opposite. Like he doesn't deter guys from getting to the rim at all, but once they get there, he eats them up. So it's like one has a almost like a very in-your-face, like you're not getting to my rim approach, and that's Taj. And the other has almost like a rope-a-dope, like, oh no, you're going to get to the rim. Oh, never mind, block. And that's Noel. <laughs> and it's it's just so interesting to watch those contrasting styles on any given night and kind of see how like Tibbs makes decisions based off which one is more warranted at any given moment. Um, but yeah, I love that pairing. I love this team. I love having a team that's won seven games in a row. Again, 
Uh, it's fantastic. I think we could wrap up on that note. And I'll once again, shamelessly plug, uh, the Strickland does have a sweet RJ Barrett shirt and a Frank shirt. If you're into that sort of thing of Frank's icy stare, uh, from a few weeks ago, but RJ Barrett flexing shirt, original artwork by the Strickland's John Schulman, uh, the percentage of profits going to safe horizon available at the Strickland.bigcartel.com. So definitely check that out. If you want to get like a sweet shirt or hoodie to show off your RJ fandom after a 18 point quarter tonight, definitely do that. Um, but until next time, this has been locked on Knicks and we will talk to you guys all tomorrow after the Hawks game and hopefully an eighth straight win, which I think would match their longest win streak since the 2012, 13 season. If they can get to nine, they're officially in rarefied air as having one of the longest Knicks win streaks since the 2012-13 season. So exciting stuff potentially coming up if they can bottle up the Hawks tomorrow. But until next time, this has been Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw. This has been Locked On Knicks. We will talk to you all tomorrow.